that assessment that a palantir is cheap. You know, what would you say to those to those naysayers who talk about obviously the uh, lack of profitability and of course that big issue, which is the uh, the stock based compensation. Okay, those the, those are great questions. So let let me address those be, before I get to to mm-hmm. my point why I think it's cheap. So uh, about the stock uh, the stock based uh, compensation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Investing Experts Podcast. My name is James Ford, and I'm joined today by fellow essay contributor Victor Durganov. He's the financial profit on Seeking Alpha, and he has a very well-diversified portfolio of stocks and financial assets. Today, we talked about various different stocks, tech earnings, the future of Bitcoin, and also the macro outlook. And of course, you can follow me on Seeking Alpha, the pragmatic investor. Please enjoy the conversation and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Thanks for coming, Victor. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm very glad to be here. I will say I would like to congratulate you because you've done quite well, I believe. I mean, at least uh, from my point of view on Seeking Alpha, you've amassed uh, around 40,000 followers, I believe. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Yes, I believe it's it's close to forty two thousand, and my goal is to hit fifty by the end of the year, fifty thousand followers. And uh, you know, if anyone told me that I would have fifty fifty thousand followers five years ago when I first started writing uh, on Seeking Alpha, I would probably say you're crazy. But uh, nevertheless, uh, here we are because back then I was uh, I had like no followers, and I would look at people who have five or six thousand, I would say, wow, they have. Uh, these guys, they have a lot of followers. <laughs> and now, uh, yeah, like you said, I have uh, around 40,000. I, I wanted to know, in terms of investing, because I have read a lot of your pieces, obviously, you're often uh, taking up space there on the trending, so I often encounter yes. your pieces there. And you do write about quite a varied uh, varied topics. Just in general, yes. what would you consider to be your investment uh, ethos, your, your style? I think the most important thing is to be uh, diversified, uh, well diversified, mm-hmm. and um, also you want to rotate at the at the right times because the market is continually rotating from one sector to the next. You want to go with the market. You don't want to. You never want to go against the market. Obviously, you want to go with the wave. So, um, diversification, rotation. Uh, I also like to to trade trade a little bit around the peaks and troughs. Um, this is done mostly during volatile periods when the markets are calmer, um, there's far less, uh, rebalancing and, uh, trading involved. Uh, also I use this, this strategy, this, uh, covered call strategy to increase, mm-hmm. uh, increase yield and improve, uh, portfolio, uh, performance. Aside from that, I think it just comes down to picking, uh, picking really good, uh, companies that you believe in. You, that you you know you have conviction in, and you understand uh, the bi- the business more or less, because investing in something that you, that you have no idea what they do is probably not not the best idea in the world. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's just that's just several things that are, I guess uh, how did you call it the, the investment ethos? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something um, like that. Okay, so a diversified approach. I do. Um, I've been personally looking at a uh, different option strategies. I do. Quite like that idea of the covered calls. Um, also, also the collar play we we use quite often during uh, you know when it gets really volatile, we lay mm-hmm. our put on top of the uh, on top of the uh, covered call, and we turn that you know turn that into a collar play, and that's uh, that's that's really worked out well during you know in, in, in 
last year. <laughs> it was working well. Can you explain for the listeners uh, how exactly the a collar play would work then, or maybe a quick example yeah. of it? Sure, absolutely. So um, let's uh, let's say you have a company, any company. Um, better to have a company that's uh, that's that, uh, that's higher alpha, something like you know, like an AMD or an Nvidia or Nvidia or a Tesla. Let's take a different company. It doesn't really matter which company. Company XYZ that's going to report in, in a in a week or so, and we want to protect our our investment, correct? So w- what we would do is we would sell uh, we would sell a covered call option, mm-hmm. and then we would take that premium. Say we would we would get. I usually like to go for you know four to six weeks out for the uh for the the expiration date and i usually go for the strike that's uh slightly slightly out of the money so say we get about five or six percent for our premium for our covered call i would then take you know either that whole premium or part of it and uh buy put options with it uh to further protect our position and that's basically that's the collar play right there that i mean it's it's sound some people's say oh a collar play it sounds uh, difficult or, or <laughs> it sounds complicated but it's really not you're just selling you're just selling covered calls and then you're just buying puts with the uh, you know with the premium that's basically it okay. so uh, after, you know after you buy the puts uh, say the earnings come out uh, they're not so good the stock you know drops by 10% if if you have the right puts on you know you could get uh, you could get a, a threefold, a fourfold, or fivefold uh, on those on those puts in a, in a few days. You know, if the stock falls by ten or twenty percent, so mm-hmm. those puts can appreciate quite quickly. Of course, but of course, if the opposite happens, and then the price goes up, then you would, of course, be forced yes. to uh, sell your position, right? Or the calls. Yes, yeah, so if if the price goes up, then you know, then you're going to lose. Uh, you're not losing anything because to buy the puts, you're using uh, the money from the premium. So you're not actually losing right. any money, but then you're losing upside potential on the stock. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. Uh, I noticed a lot of the company just mentioned uh, NVIDIA, AMD, uh, Tesla, all of these, of course, uh, some of the big tech names. And of course, very relevant now because we are pretty much into that tech earnings season. I think any particular ideas or positioning behind behind the current earnings yes uh so you know i i like to start by look by looking at the banks of course because they're usually the the first big companies to report often to uh, a lot of the times if if the bank earnings are good the uh, most other earnings are good too if the banks if the bank earnings are bad we're there's a good chance we're gonna have a bad earnings season now, uh, so far, despite some challenges, challenges in the, in the banking sector, we've, you know, we've had the, the Silicon Valley bank go under and, you know, there's some concerns about Charles Schwab now not going under just, uh, concerns about, you know, uh, losses in their, in, um, in their bond portfolios, mm-hmm. they call it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think they have a lot of derivatives on, on their books that are worth a lot less than they claim and it's not just charles schwab it's uh, it's many banks it's similar to what happened in 2008 but it's i don't think it's anywhere near that magnitude um just because of the regulation that's been that's been put in place but uh, the greed is no is is no less of course um but i don't think we're in the same situation that we were in 2008 or even a similar one so i don't expect uh, like um, big bank failures or anything like that uh, but, um, we are seeing some issues and, uh, uh nevertheless, uh, so far, 
the banks, uh, JP Morgan actually had great results and, you know, the stock, the stock flew. Other banks provided, other big banks like Wells Fargo, uh, Bank of America, Citibank provided pretty good results. Um, so I, uh, I don't see anything that, um, you know, that troubling regarding this earnings season. Yes, we're, we're going to have a little dip in, uh, in EPS year over year. And, and, you know, some companies are going to have revenue declines year over year, but that's normal to slow down. So this is to be expected. Uh, I don't think we're going to have a terrible earnings season as far as tech goes. So, uh, we saw Tesla report, Tesla stock sold off, but the earnings, they weren't, they really weren't that bad. It was just a, a slight, uh, slight miss on revenues. And that's, that was, uh, primarily because of the price cuts. So I suspect we're going to have a decent earnings season. But the thing is, uh, stocks are in a, um, in a tough spot here because even the decent earning, even if you want to call, uh, you know, the, these earnings decent and, I guess they are given the the whole macro situation. There's a lot of uncertainty ahead. So I'm a little concerned what's going to happen after earnings because I'm focusing on economic data and a lot of data has been, has been worsening. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yes, like it's good that inflation is coming down, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, housing data and there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of troubling, um, consumer related data mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. And the economy is mostly consumer based. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's like 70 in the U S it's like 70% consumer based economy. So, uh, if the consumer starts to, you know, consumer sentiment, if it, if it continues to, um, to sour and if, uh, if the labor market worsens. So if we get that, if we get that double whammy of, uh, relatively high inflation along with, uh, you know, uh, the consumer feeling the pinch from the, from the higher, from the higher interest rates, hi- higher borrowing costs, you know, we're probably going to see quite a bit of slowdown and we're probably going to see the labor market worsening in the, in the coming, in the coming months. So I don't really, I don't really consider these earnings that important right now, just because there, there's so many critical factors after that, that are going to influence, you know, stock prices more than than these earnings uh, probably would. Yeah, I think that seems to be a bit of a consensus at some point. I mean, uh, in general, analysts have been talking about this recession for quite a lot of time. It hasn't quite materialized, but as you say, you know, we're, we're starting to get that evidence. So I think now, I think I was reading today some analysts by uh, Wedbush, I think, um, talking about the idea that the earnings today might, or the earnings that come out this week won't be so bad. But of course, looking perhaps at that forward guidance, um, that's yes. when, you know, companies are going to start saying, well, you know, watch out because in the next six, 12 months, three, four quarters, you know, things are going to slow down substantially. Yes. Yes. Forward, forward guidance is certainly the, uh, the thing to watch during, you know, during any earnings season, but this earnings season, especially. And I also want to just, uh, just add that, um, I believe, uh, the, if, if we, um, if we take away, I guess the part of the economy that the government, uh, supports, you know, let's mm-hmm. call it the government side of the economy. If we, if, if we separate that from the, from the actual, like, you know, commercial business side of the economy, I believe the business commercial side of the economy is, is already in a recession. Mm-hmm. It's, um, 
the numbers don't don't scream recession or haven't screamed recession only because the government side of the economy i guess the government has been propping up uh the economy basically mm-hmm. but i i you know i don't i don't know how long um, the government can continue to do this so um we're probably going to be in an official recession this uh, this year Okay, so the, the the question is how how deep is it going to be? Because a a relatively shallow recession is not it's not going to shouldn't hurt stock prices too much, and maybe you know we might have seen the bottom of thirty five hundred SPX, or we may see it a little bit lower at thirty two hundred, you know, possibly three thousand. But if um, if the recession gets deep, then all bets are off, <laughs> and only time will tell how uh, how low stocks will go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This also at a time where you know, I believe you're probably already aware of this, but over the last uh, few months, especially tech stocks, really have been carrying the most of the uh, most of the indexes higher, right? So if you actually look absolutely. at um, of how they're priced, you know, in terms of a forward PE, they're getting the valuations are getting very rich right now, and as as you say, there might not be a, a good reason to justify that moving forward. Yes, uh, yes, that's. Uh... That's very well said, and, and and what I can add to that is that is that yes, some companies like Nvidia and AMD and several several others have really um, just have had massive rebounds of one hundred percent or more since since their bottoms and their valuations. Like you said, they're they're getting they're getting pretty high again. However, um, we're looking at at at, at almost like a like two different economies because if we look at a company like google for instance uh google is very cheap right now it's only trading at like 16 times full forward uh forward earnings mm-hmm. um, um my opinion i mean i believe it's because uh it's because future earnings are, are uncertain in companies like google because there's a lot of ads ads uh, there's a lot of uh you know, ad spending going on and, and things of that nature. So investors are are I guess they're skeptical about about bidding these uh, these kind of these kinds of stocks up uh, these kinds of stocks up too high. But uh, Nvidia and AMD they're getting most of the uh, and you know other semiconductor and of course stocks like Tesla too. And just many different stocks are getting getting lots of bids and, and 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 they're they're getting too uh too expensive now yes i i definitely agree with you but there's also i i also want to want to emphasize that that there are there's there are a lot of uh, quality companies that are not expensive right now so it's it's a it's it's a strange market we're we're observing here mm-hmm. yeah i definitely agree with you on uh on both of those points the idea that a yes we are into recession, but also that you know perhaps some of these companies uh, do offer a significant value. I mean, you did you recently had that call out on Tesla, which is still rating as a buy. Uh, you mentioned Google as well is uh, sure. probably a probably a decent a decent buy at these levels. Would I be correct I then in saying buy. that your overall assessment is that you know if if we do get a bit of a sell off, you're looking basically at building positions. You know, if if it goes down from here, sort of playing it yeah. more into the long term. Yes, 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 absolutely. I, I want to throw Amazon into that mix because that's one of my favorite companies. I also want to want to want to uh, want to give a shout out to Palantir. Uh, that company gets a lot of hate, and that company is is cheap. And that company, in my view, is going to be worth a lot of money one day. 
that is an underrated company. That is a company that's just filled with the, with the best talent that, um, that there is in the world, in my view. And they're doing things that are amazing. And they are, and there's essentially no competition. So, I mean, that's a company that I want to own. That's my biggest position in my portfolio is Palantir. That's a company that I want to own for the long term. I don't care if it goes down to $5 because I'll buy more than $5. Um, similar story with Tesla. I mean, I've owned Tesla since 2013. Um, that's been one of my, one of my best, uh, best investments over the years. Of course, I've, I've, uh, I've adjusted the position, you know, many times in, in I mean, it's been 10 years, uh, but I've been long throughout most of the, most of the time. Um, I'm long Tesla now. And, uh, you know, if I get the opportunity to buy it at 150 or lower, I'll buy more at 150 or lower because I believe in these companies long term. I think that they're going a lot higher. Same thing with Google. I think it's a great buy here. If it goes uh, below 100 again, 90, 95, excellent. I, I, will, I would love to buy more. Amazon, same thing. And we can go down the list. There, there are many uh, great uh, semiconductor companies. Um, NVIDIA is expensive, but it, if it ever goes back to $100 again, <laughs> I'll, I'll back up the truck. And um, AMD, same thing if I ever see that. Anywhere near 50 or 60, I'm backing up the truck there as well, of course. So I don't think we're going to see those prices again. I don't, I don't think we're seeing NVIDIA at 100 or Tesla at 100. I think those are behind us. I think those were bear market market bottoms. And I know that it's, I know that during a bear market phase, it's, uh, you know, people, some people like to be overly, or maybe they don't like to be, but they just are overly um, bearish, I guess. Um, and I've lived through a couple of bear markets, so I've, I've seen this. I'm not saying that we've seen that we've seen the bottom, we've seen the worst, but I, uh, I think that future sell-offs will bring uh, buying opportunities. I don't think the world is going to end. I mean, I hope it's not going to end anytime soon. And, um, also I don't think that, um, uh, that good companies are going to stay down for a prolonged, prolonged period of time. Like, just take a look uh, in retrospect, what happened to NVIDIA. 100 to 120 was the buy zone that I was recommending. It went into that level and then it just exploded higher. Same thing with Tesla, around the same area I was recommending. 100, it hit, I think it hit exactly 100 or whatever, like around 105 maybe. And it's, you know, like doubled since then. Of course, it's been volatile. And we're going to see volatility persist. But my point is that you, you see a great company that's down. That means that there's blood in the streets and it's, it's probably time to buy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take you back on something you just said that, uh, of course, a lot of people might uh, consider a little bit controversial, which is that assessment that a uh, Palantir is cheap. Now I've yes, written about okay. Palantir before also, um, you know, kind of, switching a little bit from kind of more bullish to a bit less bullish, but generally also kind of appreciating that the company has something special, but you know, what would you say to those, to those naysayers who talk about obviously the, uh, the lack of, um, lack of profitability. And of course that big issue, which is the, uh, the stock based compensation, but just why, why would you say what metrics would yeah. make you say it's cheap? How yeah. is it cheap? Sure. To you? Okay, those the, those are great questions. So let let me address those be, before I get to to mm -hmm. my point why I think it's cheap. So uh, about the stock, uh, the stock based uh, compensation. 
So um, lately, I don't think that most people go through like the 10, you know, like, uh, like the financial reports, uh, like, you know, like, like I do mm-hmm. uh, as uh, probably um, as closely. And <laughs> I'm not saying that, that no one does this. I'm just saying that no normal people probably don't do this. <laughs> okay. So I'll just tell you what, what I see when I, when I look at Palantir and, and I've looked at their, at their reports and their books and their quarterlies and quarterly reports very, very carefully. There, there were concerns about, about dilution and, uh, just about any company that goes, you know, that initially goes public, there's some dilution. Um, Palantir shares got, you know, got diluted at first when, when the company went, to uh, initially IPO'd. Uh, there was uh, arguably some excessive uh, stock-based compensation, um, you know, when the company first first went public. However, um, it's been it's been around two years since since Palantir went public. So, uh, if if you look at it now, so uh, the the stock-based compensation it's 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 much less um, relative to uh, to what it was before. And, and, and there is minimal, uh, dilution, um, you know, in, 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 in recent quarters. Um, now as the company's revenues continue to increase and increase and increase, um, that stock based compensation, you know, in, in, in percentages will matter less, less and less. So, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not concerned about the, the, the SPC at all here um and and what was the other one about the um you had the question about the sbc and the and the lack of the and the lack of profit Mm -hmm. profitability actually you know uh palantir just uh, last quarter was a it was a gap it was a gap profitable quarter right not you know not a non-gap gap Mm -hmm. profitable quarter so i mean that's a big deal so i mean that right there illustrates that the company it can certainly be profitable because right there, I mean, it was only a cent. It was only one cent in EPS, but it's it's a gap profit nevertheless. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, obviously the company uh, can uh, can be profitable. Now, uh, why I say it's cheap? I say I say it's cheap because uh, the revenues they keep on growing. The the market cap it's not increasing anymore because you know the, the stock price it's not going up. Nor nor is there dilution going. On. So the market cap, I think, is somewhere around like 17 billion, maybe 16, 17 billion now. And um, <clears throat> so Palantir is trading at like maybe six or seven times forward, uh, six or seven times forward, uh, forward sales. Mm-hmm. Um, while that may sound like, I guess, like it's not cheap, there's there are not many companies in Palantir's position that have such a long, um, such a long growth runway. Mm-hmm. So Palantir can probably continue to, to grow revenues at double digits for many years. So, um, mm-hmm. um, possibly, you know, possibly a, a decade, a decade or longer, we could see, we could see Palantir, you know, obviously it's growth. It's going to, it's going to slow down. From, it's, it's slowed down from 30% to around 25%. We're going to see 20%. You know, we, but, but we could see it, you know, be around 20, 22% for, uh, you know, through maybe 2026, 2027, and then drop into the teens after that. 
So um, right now at, at six or seven times sales, Palantir is, uh, in my eyes, it's relatively cheap. In my mind, it's relatively cheap to its uh, forward uh, you know, growth and, of course, profitability prospects because as the company continues to generate more and more revenue growth, uh, it's going to become more, more and more profitable. Uh, Palantir is one of the most profitable companies. It has remarkable margins. It has an, an 80% gross margin, 80%. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's staggering. I think this time, I think this company just just needs a little bit more time and just a little bit more patience from investors, and they'll understand. And when when many investors under most many or most investors understand, they jump on the train. I mean, you're going to see the stock at like twenty, twenty five, thirty dollars. I think within the next maybe one or two years. I don't think I, I don't think that's such a uh, such a high target for this uh, for this stock. Well, I have to say you make a very compelling point. I might have to uh, go and look at th- those financial reports and maybe uh, consider the position. <laughs> or you can just read my articles because I point out all the, uh, so you don't, <laughs> I do all the hard work for you. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on Bitcoin? Oh, of course. Bitcoin. Yes. Uh, I'm a long, long-term bull on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I am, uh, I've been long-term bullish. I continue to be long-term bullish. So, uh, if we consider where Bitcoin is now, it's, it, it, it had quite a run. So let's just, let's just, uh, talk about, uh, uh, from the recent bottom. Uh, I believe it bottomed at around 14 and a half thousand, uh, dollars about five months ago, five or six months ago. And, and since then it's, it's been, a you know, it's, it's, it's appreciated by more than a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So quite a nice, uh, quite a nice rebound for Bitcoin. Uh, Ethereum is in the same boat. So we've seen nice moves in these. Uh, now we're back to you know seeing corrections because Bitcoin went all the way above above thirty k. And so uh, I told all of my um, you know all of my marketplace uh, members actually actually sold my Bitcoin and my Ethereum position uh, around the highs there. Uh, temporarily, I will I will rebuy. So uh, now we're seeing corrections in these, and we've seen about uh, I think about fifteen percent or so uh, corrections in Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin. And we could probably go a bit further. We could see twenty twenty five percent corrections, and then these will be normal here. And I like Bitcoin. I like Ethereum long term. I think um, I think that we probably saw bottoms in these. Also, it's difficult to imagine. Uh, Bitcoin going back below 15k, even though my uh, my bottom end tar- my my bottom uh, target was uh, was 12,000. Mm-hmm. So we we almost we almost reached that we hit 14 and a half thousand. I I don't think we're gonna go lower than that. It's possible, mm-hmm. but I do think that was kind of like the bottom in the bear market, mm-hmm. and and I do believe that uh, it's possible to retest that level or an area around it. But I think we're going to get some buying interest at around 25K. Uh, if that falls through, I'll be a buyer at that, that 20K of Bitcoin. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. I, I do like it. And I think, I think it's going to go much higher. Than that. Mm-hmm. Would you subscribe then to the theory of Bitcoin being kind of the digital gold, kind of a, that long-term store of value? Yeah, you know. Or the risk asset kind of just play for you? Uh, you know, that's a very, that's an excellent question. And, uh, uh, the way I'll, I'll answer it is I'll say it's something in between. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. <laughs> because, because, uh, because, uh, it really, uh, to me, to me, it is, 
in a way it is it is like it is like digital i mean it is like uh, like digital gold because uh you know there's a finite amount of it you, you can't have more than 21 million you know it's mineable <laughs> of course that's not the main issue uh but uh, you know they, they do mine it uh the most uh, uh compelling thing about bitcoin is that it is uh, a store a store of value in in, in a way it's 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 it's, de- it's decentralized uh, you don't need a parasitic third party um you know controlling a transaction or a uh, uh taking a, a percentage of it, you know so that's uh so, so i mean that's that's the beautiful concept in bitcoin it's uh you know it's not con- it's not controlled by a government it's not printed mm-hmm. it's not minted by a central bank mm-hmm. so um it's uh, it's inflation proof i mean it is so uh obviously uh, not obviously but uh you know the the, the fiat uh, money supply it's uh, it's infinite it's just you know uh, the federal reserve is, is is very good at demonstrating that because it it prints and prints and uh you know spreads uh, spreads the dollars all all around the globe uh but i don't think uh, that this is a uh, that this is uh, right or or sustainable for for the long term Mm-hmm. So, and this, this, uh, you know, this makes uh, Bitcoin so compelling. You know, you can't just keep uh, minting Bitcoins forever. You know, there's, uh, there is uh, how many there are, and then, and then that's it. If everyone in the world uh, is going to want a Bitcoin, then uh, Bitcoin is going to be worth uh, a whole lot. And of course, you can transact in them now in many places, even like, even big com- big corporations like Microsoft accept uh, Bitcoin for some uh, services uh, or products. And, uh, you know, of course, we know about Tesla and uh, there are lots of corporations accepting uh, Bitcoin for products and services. So we see that this is a uh, this is not just a, uh, you know, a fluke. This is not just something like uh, temporary. Uh, Many governments have officially uh, uh, declared Bitcoin uh, either a currency or 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 a commodity. Uh, but you know, it is classified as something, uh, I guess you could say tangible. Yeah. And the reason I say is it's between uh, gold and, uh, and, and uh, something to, to play around with is, uh, is because, you know, you, you can't trade a, a physical gold like, uh, like, like you could Bitcoin. Of course you can do ETFs, uh, but it's, it's not the same. And, um, I don't think gold will ever, will ever be as volatile as Bitcoin. Uh, even though gold uh, in its own right is, 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 is a bit volatile sometimes, but you know, it's not Bitcoin. Bitcoin can be very volatile and it's got all, you know, a lot of the, the younger kids who want to be involved. And, uh, of course they're influencing the market a lot. And, and there's a lot of volatility because of that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's the future. So we, 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 have to be, we have to be on the right train. I don't want to be a critic of Warren Buffett, but I don't, I don't think it's right when he says uh, Bitcoin is nothing and it's worthless and it's garbage and blah, 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 because mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't understand Bitcoin. Maybe he, I don't know why, but I don't, I don't, I don't agree with people that make comments like that. And I don't, I don't think it's right. Okay. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe in kind of a separate bag, something that obviously is institutionally kind of getting a bit more recognized countries, recognizing it, companies buying it. Any thoughts on the altcoins? Is there any value there, or is that just a bunch of garbage? Uh, the altcoins. Uh, so that that whole market, it's like it's like the wild, 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 wild west. Uh, the reason why I say this is because there, there, uh, there is, there are a lot of promising projects 
that are that are uh, going to uh, make a change in the future. So there are there are there are a lot of uh, functional coins uh, mm-hmm. that are you know obviously they're they're worth a lot now and they're going to be worth a lot more later. However, at the same time, there are a lot of you know they're either they're either scams, they're poor you know they they have poor management, they are poor projects, they are um, uh, they will be um, you know pushed out of the market by by better projects, by better coins. Um, the, that's why I say this that there's there's definitely a, a lot of a lot a lot of junk out there. So I mean, anyone investing should be very careful and should do a lot of research before investing mm-hmm. uh, in, in in that market. With that said, is there any old coins that you have a position in that you would be comfortable disclosing? Or Absolutely. Just- Absolutely, yeah. So um, I like several projects. Uh, one, uh, one of the ones uh, I like uh, is Link. Uh, that's the symbol Link, Link Chain it's called. I like some transactional coins because, again, I'm... Uh, uh, there's a finite amount, and if if, if the blockchain uh, works well, and it's uh, and many of these work work very well, there are excellent transactional coins like Bitcoin Cash, mm-hmm. for instance. Uh, it's not Bitcoin, but uh, you know it, you you can tr- transact with it uh, quicker, faster, um, cheaper. So I mean that's that's one that I own. There's an altcoin out there called uh, called Monero uh, XMR. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's uh, it's also mm-hmm. a transactional coin. It's it's untraceable, mm-hmm. right? So uh, so that's that's the appeal there. It has a secure blockchain, and I see why I see that the appeal in uh, in in using or owning this coin. So I think it's going to go higher. So yeah, these are just a few of the ones that uh, that I have positions, and I don't I don't have positions in many right now, anyways, because you know the market is in an uncertain uncertain place and we may have further corrections in the in the alt space but there are, are definitely some very interesting projects out there that people should keep an eye on yeah i think you you make some good points there with a lot of coins obviously maybe uh not having that much intrinsic value but still opening the door to a uh, very outsized gains i mean i think i don't know if you saw last yeah. week there was that a uh, huge rally in some coin called uh pepe coin which yeah. uh, appreciated about ten thousand percent and uh Minted a few million as that there, so you know that is kind of the beauty of it. But like you say, I think it's uh, <laughs> obviously a, a space which is you have to know what you're doing, right? Or if you're yeah. you know, if you're going to speculate some money, that's fine. If you're interested in the technology, that's also good. But you, yeah. know, you need to be aware of uh, what you're actually of trying course. to get here. I mean, or you get lucky because because for for this coin, this uh, for this for every one of these Pepe coins that appreciates, you know, by ten thousand percent, there's probably a hundred coins that are you know, that are going to, you know, be close to worthless in, a, in maybe in a year or two. Right. And I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with gambling, you know, you can enjoy a bit of a fun gambling, but it's not investing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and people, people really need, need to, uh, I think, I think people need to make that distinction that, uh, there is investing and then there's, there's gambling. And then there's also something that we call trading and we think it's in between, but really, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, but trading uh, is closer to gam- to gambling mm. than, than investing. So um, yeah, I want to make the, that distinction for sure. And if I, and and for those people who are going to be uh, trading uh, in the in the crypto markets, uh, please be very careful uh, because 
unless unless you're buying and holding Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, you're probably either trading or gambling, in my view. Yeah, absolutely true. And with that, maybe just to touch up on this last subject before we uh, before we wrap up, since we're talking about trading and uh, how do you feel about technical analysis? Is that something that you use at all? Do you think it's just astrology for men? Um, no. One of the pillars of my investment style is based is based on, on technical analysis. Uh, each morning, we we actually go through um, go through a technical analysis of of, of all the key markets like mm-hmm. uh, the Nasdaq futures, uh, S and P futures, gold, silver, oil, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and sometimes I do I do some other markets. But every day, we we go through the technicals on these and. Uh, we do this because technicals are extremely important, especially especially if you want to beat the market. <laughs> In order to beat the market, uh, you have to, um, or at least I have to, trade a little bit around the peaks and troughs to to trim trim some profits. You know, uh, when when a stock is, is overbought, and of course, uh, you know, add or, or or initiative position or dollar cost average. When a when a stock uh, is oversold is oversold, and there of course there are many patterns that we watch. Like uh, they do it, they do uh, often indicate which way uh, a stock will go in the near term. Some people they get really into the technicals and maybe even uh, go overboard. In my view, like uh, because they start uh, going for everything like uh, at once, like Elliott Wave and Fibonacci, and then the, all the technical indicators. That's too much. I don't. I respect uh, the Elliott Wave theory. I know there are some experts. Uh, the Fibonacci. I have a problem with that because uh, depending on the time frame you're looking at, it's going to be all different. So I'm not too big on the Fibonacci. I'll be. Sure. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, but okay, I understand um, some people are into that. Um, no. Uh, my technical analysis basically, I just uh, I use I use several technical indicators like uh, the RSI, the CCI, the full stochastic, the um, uh, the fifty and the two hundred day moving average. Mostly, of course, I watch the volume and the technical patterns, and um, and basically I just combine that with the with the the fundamentals and the psychologicals, the psychological image that's that's going on. Um, at the moment, and basically we try to combine all three of these together to get the best uh, possible picture of what's going on in, in markets and, and how to beat the market is the result that, uh, that we want to obtain. I mean, I do a lot of technical analysis as well myself. A lot of people have that expectation that, you know, you could maybe use technical analysis to obviously uh, be able to predict any twist and turn in the market. And that's just, that's just not true. I think Technical analysis has to be complemented with either fundamental analysis or just a larger understanding of you know other market dynamics like the macro moves or like I said fundamentals. If someone would was was interested in looking at your portfolio, where can they find you? So they can uh, can find me on Seeking Alpha. So just look up the financial profit on Seeking Alpha or Victor Durgan. All and right, then you, you can get full access to the all weather portfolio, daily updates, and everything else that the service offers. All right. Well, there you have it. And like I said, it's been a great talking to you, obviously very knowledgeable and yeah, hope we can do this again sometime soon. Thank you very much. I uh, appreciate the interview. It was a, uh, it was a pleasure to meet you. I'll be, right, I'll great. be happy to, uh, to discuss some more topics with you. It was, it was, it was a fun interview. I enjoyed it. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening, everyone. You can check out my own profile on Seeking Alpha, The Pragmatic Investor. You can find transcripts for all our episodes on the Investing Experts author page on Seeking Alpha, and links to the investing groups can be found there or in our podcast show notes under episode descriptions. And just to wrap up, remember, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. At times, myself or the guests might own positions in the securities mentioned. 